So what's my future? You don't have one. I see you, but you can't see me. Halloween Horror Nights Orlando has mastered the art of the scare. We'll cover each year of this amazing event one by one, picking through the bones and uncovering its past. So join us now as we open another tomb inside the catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights. Welcome to the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights podcast. This is the continuation of our ongoing coverage of Halloween Horror Nights 29 at Universal Studios Orlando Resort. This episode is a special one because, once again, we've been given the opportunity to sit with Patrick Braylord, show director for Entertainment Creative Development at Universal Orlando, and talk about what goes into bringing yet another amazing year of Halloween Horror Nights to life. And I did say we in that introduction because, as you're about to hear... Hunter joined me this year, and between the three of us, we pretty much just geeked out on Halloween Horror Nights and got some really great insight on this year's event. And to add just another special little touch to this episode, after the interview, since Hunter and I were already in the parks, we went ahead and did something I've been dying to do for months and have a bit of a bonus with my instant reaction of my first ride on Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure at Islands of Adventure. All right, that's enough of me. Let's get to the interview. Here it is, our Halloween Horror Nights 29 discussion with Patrick Braylord. We are here at the broadcast studio at Universal Orlando Resort talking to Patrick Braylord all about Halloween Horror Nights 29. Thank you for joining us again, Patrick. Hey, fellas. How you doing? So this is actually really excited to talk to you, especially this year, because we're kind of picking up from a conversation we inadvertently started at the media event when Hunter, who's with me today... Asked you a question about Nightingales, Return of Nightingales. Yeah. And we're kind of going to pick up from that. If anyone hasn't heard it, I'm going to drop it in here. Hi, guys. Uh, my name is Hunter. I'm representing the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights podcast. Um, I actually have a question about one of the originals. This year, we're actually seeing the return of the Nightingales characters, who we haven't seen for quite some time. Last time was HHN 21. I just was just wondering, so... The past couple years, we've seen the return of original properties kind of getting a sequel or a redo. Last year, we had that exposure. When did you feel it was appropriate to bring back Nightingales this year in particular? Um, I think it was more about the fact that we wanted to see how aggressive we could take one of our locations. Okay. And I think that they serve that purpose. Um, I think that in 2011, they took on the role of, and, and it's part of their history, that they are, uh, they disguise themselves to be amongst those that they're going after. And so we latched onto that idea and thought to ourselves, there has to be something historical, because we're all historical buffs. There has to be something historical that we can tie to. And so in 117 AD, I'm going to put on my nerd face for a second. In 117 AD, there was a Roman legion that was going up into Scotland. And it was called the Eagle of the Ninth. And it disappeared. This is factual. You can check it out. It's, it disappeared. Now, most scholars think that the Picts killed them or that they went across the other side of, of the channel to the Danube and then folded back into the Roman legions. Nobody really knows for sure, but that legion is no longer talked about historically. In our story, the Nightingales took over that legion. 
They killed all of those soldiers, took their uniforms, and are now using those to blend in amongst the gladiators in the Roman in the Roman Colosseum. So it gives us the opportunity to blend that historical aspect of it, which I think is is fun because it gives a time period and aesthetic that is not similar to anything else we have in our slate. But then it also gives us a chance, much like the Yeti, but in a completely different facet, fashion, to have a group of aggressors going after our guests, which leads to a lot of fun as far as the scare tactics we're able to incorporate, because that means we get a lot of A and B scares for our characters, a lot of double hits where it means more bang for your buck when you go through the maze. Awesome. Thank you. No problem. And I want to keep going with some of these properties that are featured this year. And if I don't start with this one, it's going to be a crime that we don't talk about it. Universal Monsters. Yeah. That's one I am assuming on so many levels you want to get right for so many people, probably starting with yourselves. <laughs> That's always where we, we, we like to start. I mean, it, it, it sounds like lip service, but it really isn't. I mean, we, we're fans first. So as we walk through... The individual mazes, in particular, in this case, Universal Monsters, yeah, you definitely want to get it right for ourselves. We want to walk through every single time and be entertained every single time we go through there. And I've been through that maze literally hundreds of times, wow. and I, I love it every single time. That's great. So more. are you even finding things that are surprising you at this point, having help develop it and not walking through it a hundred so times. Yeah, I mean, it really, I mean, throughout the course of each night, when you walk through, you, you I mean, it, it's the same for every maze, as far as the characters are concerned, that they do breathe life into those sets, but you get a sense of their energy as you walk through, and you, you see how they have started to become at home in, in their own individual environments. And, and really, that's when it starts to get fun because they're comfortable with doing what they're doing and now they get the chance to play. Nice. Yeah, I'm sure the human, the well, the performer element has got to be a huge thing that you yeah. just aren't going to know in, for sure until you see it come to life. So, there's so much to talk about this year. I want Hunter to get a chance to talk about one of his favorite properties that we have just discussed endlessly leading into the season. Yeah, so Ghostbusters. You know, mm, yeah. That is, you know, for the last uh, couple of years, you have always had like a classic movie represented at Halloween Horror Nights. I mean, with 23, you started with American Werewolf, uh, then 24, Halloween, and so on and so forth. So Ghostbusters is like the big classic property this year. And obviously there's a lot of... Uh, there's a huge fan base that you have to address with that. So Ghostbusters, were you like nervous tackling a property that's iconic as that one? I, you know, I, I think the, the excitement overshadows any pressure that we might feel. Sure. I mean, being able to step inside that world and being able to play uh, Charles Gray and 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 Nick, who designed and, and directed the house respectively, they 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 attacked Ghostbusters with such such zeal. Uh, Charles was a, a Lewis Tully when he first started here at Universal, so it kind of came full circle for him yeah. from the Ghostbusters attraction. So, so it's it's a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun for him to dive in. For myself, when I walk through that, when I walk through that house, I mean, you're recapping and you're reliving the every single moment that you want to see from the film, um, and it's small itty bitty touches that for me spark that goosebump kind of a feel where you walk in and you're like oh my god janine just said we got one and she hit the trigger and you're like ah it's great the alarm's going off and then you hear the ragtime start or for me in particular that scene where you're walking down the hallway and for those of you who haven't come to the maze why not (laughs) you should have already come or you should be planning on it um we have we have select nights 41 42 select nights between now and november 2nd uh halloweenhornights.com um in particular 
when you're walking down the hallway and you're going towards the containment unit and the lighting and effects team and how they were able to uh, work together and collaborate so seamlessly so that when it, the containment unit starts to break down, you hear the siren and then the fog and the lighting through those cracks looks identical to what it did on screen. That's something for me that makes me jump out of my skin a little bit. And I'm like, that is so cool. I'm so happy that the team did that because that's something that that calls back to, you know, the nostalgic property of that house. However, I also think that that house is a lot scarier than I think people would have given it credit for. Absolutely. I think that we were able to find ways uh, collectively to be able to create those environments and to create those scares so that you're, you're, you're both walking through as a fan and getting that nostalgic property while also having some startles that you you probably didn't realize were going to be there. Sure, absolutely. And I was actually going to say that that librarian scare is actually one of my favorite at the event this year. Just because you're lulled into this nostalgic comfortability and then you're completely caught off guard. And you're like, oh yeah, of course that's going to be there. Yeah, last yeah. night uh, we were walking through and I love the setup of that trigger because it's, you know, get her. Yeah. And you're like, Wait, what? And then, it, then she, it, it, yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. It's so great. So one absolutely need to talk about because everywhere I look I'm seeing it the return of stranger things yeah you guys set a pretty huge bar last year which is funny this is like I think I say that phrase every interview I do because you guys end up topping yourself and raising the bar that's really sweet of you but stranger things huge house huge property huge expectations from its audience do you even have them a minute to think about that when you're going on to the sequel of it or uh, uh, you need to put it out of your head what do you do to approach the sequel i guess is a better question to ask well i mean it's it if if i i would say that uh we would feel more um pressure i guess moving into the sequel if the property itself hadn't also lived up to the expectations of its fans moving into mm. seasons two and three mm. and given the opportunity to be able to dive into such a rich environment that the Duffers created and Netflix created with the support and I can't say it enough with the full uh, throated support of Netflix to be able to provide us with the assets they provided us gave us the opportunity to then give the guests hopefully what they expect from a season two and season three experience I mean we 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 were given so many different pieces of property and, and assets and, and um, exclusive um, rights to when, when, they, when they approached us and we, and we started talking about this year's house. Um, we went to Atlanta and visited the sets. They provided us with blueprints. They provided us with uh, prop callouts. They provided us with the visual effects files so that we could recreate the monsters on a one-for-one basis based on what you saw on screen. So when you walk through, you're actually seeing what the demo dogs look like. You're actually seeing what Tom Bruce looks like. You're actually seeing what eventually ends up in Starcourt Mall. I'm not going to ruin anything, but if you haven't <laughs> seen the show, watch the show and then come to Universal right. Hornet. Um, so there's there's a lot of different things and aspects to that maze that we got excited about, again, as fans, because we were able to work so closely with Netflix, and they were such a great partner in being able to provide those things to us. That's something I hadn't gotten asked before, working with Netflix. Yeah. How... Well, it sounds like the relationship is great. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, we love them. Okay. Um, how... How much, I don't know if freedom is the right word, how much trust is imparted on you guys to just kind of run with it now that you've you've done season one a year ago, they know what to expect. Was there more of a, just a handoff, we know what you guys are doing and, and just go with it, we know you're going to do a good job type situation? Um, yeah. I would like to believe that we that we ingratiated ourselves towards them so That's, that they are they are okay. a little bit they are a little bit 
No, forgiving is not the right word because they are still sure they want to protect their property. Absolutely, sure. yeah, make, absolutely. But more importantly, we want to protect their property. True, right? And it's not just from a relationship aspect where we don't want to make our licensor you know angry about no. anything we might do. <laughs> it's it's more about the fact that we care so much about their property. We want to pay homage to it in the best possible light. Um, that's a great question because we want you know obviously the relationship to remain strong but we also are looking forward right you know it's not just about this year it's not just about stranger things it's not just about a single property whatever it, the case may be these are these are personal relationships that we Absolutely. have with these people yes. right um in moving forward uh with with this particular house um we had the 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 wonderful opportunity to be able to bridge two different seasons of television and they are drastically different when you go they back are. and watch them right. thematically speaking the level of gore that's involved and so it gave us the opportunity to partner with them as the storytellers to be able to drive towards that and it's it's one thing to be ip adherent okay mm-hmm. that's a term that gets thrown around that you know we're adherent to the ip the intellectual property is 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 paramount and making sure that we're we're locked in we don't have to go too far afield, especially with a property like Stranger Things, because it is so in depth, it's so ingrained, and it's so it's so immersive in its own right that it it translates easily to a live experience. That's cool. That's that's yeah. I never. I mean, nothing's easy. No, I'm sure it's not. Yeah. But it yeah. translates easy. I've, yeah, that opportunity has never come up to pick your brain on that. That was really good information. Mm-hmm. All right, Hunter, I'll turn the next one over to you. So, as you might be able to tell. Um, just by the shirt I'm wearing. I'm just a huge appreciator of, of Halloween in general. Uh, for those of you, at by home. the way, for those of you at home, he's wearing a a light uh, parchment colored shirt That's that right. has orange skulls on it and black cats and spiders and bats and the number thirty one all over it, which I'm assuming denotes Halloween as his favorite holiday. I, I think you, that is the best summarization. I, I mean, he looks sharp. Don't get me wrong. Oh, he looks sharp. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. yeah I yeah. really appreciate you took the low voiceover. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, for those, for those <laughs> of you playing at home. Yeah. So kind of tying into that, I am just a huge fan of traditional Halloween and traditional Halloween uh, spirit, pardon the pun. Mm-hmm. Graveyard Games is absolutely that. Graveyard Games is Halloween comfort food. It's ghosts and spooky things in the night and, you know, undead creatures and everything like that it's uh being perfectly honest it's my favorite original this year right i was just wondering anytime you're doing something traditionally halloween there comes just this uh, seasonal feeling uh, that just gets you right in the spirit with that so i was just wondering if you had anything to say about graveyard games uh the fact that i love that maze yeah (laughs) um what's wonderful about it and and uh and charles and i have spoken about this numerous times in that because he's responsible for five mazes and I'm responsible for five mazes, when you have the opportunity to go through your partner's mazes that you haven't been as familiar with outside of concept, because yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll be together in concept and we'll, we'll talk through uh, what the slate is going to be and we'll talk through the intricacies of those particular houses, but we won't break down beyond a certain level the development of those mazes. So as fans, we still have the opportunity to experience half the event with fresh eyes, sure. With a, with with an appreciation and with the passion that we would you know would normally have if we weren't even connected with the event. So graveyard games, 
I love that house. I love walking in. And what you said is absolutely true. It gives you that immediate feel of the season. It gives you that spirit. It gives you that 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 essence of fall that yeah. is, is sorely lacking when it's 98 degrees outside with 100% humidity. <laughs> but you walk into that house and it's AC'd and, and you walk in and it's cold and there's fog hanging in the air and there's trees and it just gives you that feeling of being in the Northeast or, or being elsewhere and, and during this, this particular portion of the season. Plus, there's always something to be said for just a, a, the comfort food of, of a graveyard-esque feel and the, and the narrowness of, of the areas that you go and then all of a sudden it opens up and then closes back down. It always keeps you off your, off your guard. Yeah. It keeps you sure. on your toes. And I've walked through that house dozens of times and I still get hit. And, and I got hit last night. Uh, if, you're, <laughs> if, you're, if you're out there and you're the grinner on the left-hand side, you did an amazing job. Um, there are, but, it, but again, it gives us the opportunity to, to experience that as a guest, which is always so much fun. Sure. So splitting these houses between you and Charles gives me this opportunity to ask, have you guys traded which of each other's favorites there are like do you have a favorite of charles right now and vice versa has he told you you know i'm going to adopt his answer to okay. this <laughs> because he had a great well if that's the thing is that you know we get to we spend a lot of time together and sure. so we, we get the opportunity to hear a lot of interviews and we get to hear a lot of podcasts and we get to hear a lot of their own stuff of each other's stuff and his his answer was that you know at, at the end of, at the end of the run that's usually when he has a favorite because your favorite will sense. shift over the course of the of the event. It shifts over the course of the night. Right. right. Absolutely. I went through Universal Monsters last night. It is hands down last night. It was my favorite house. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, I I know that um, on opening night, Graveyard Games was my favorite. Like that that house was just amazing. Mm-hmm. And then on team member preview, it was Yeti because it scared Mike Aiello five different times. <laughs> I've seen. I've never seen him jump higher than than in that house. Uh, but yes, I think that. I think that it gives us the opportunity to look at it with a fresh lens and keeps things fresh for us. So, yeah. Okay. Well, that's fair. But no, I don't, I don't, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll deny that his houses are better than mine. (laughs) And just like he would deny that mine are better than his, but, but it does, but it does speak to the fact that, um, Ghostbusters from a fan level, I am so proud of the work that he and Nick did as a team to be able to bring that to life. Um, and, and, you know, I think that he he would say the same thing about any of the houses that that you know that that, that the other designers had a chance to work on. Absolutely, bringing them to life. Let's go with that topic. Is one that we haven't talked about yet. Actually, I'll let you choose one that you've worked on. We haven't talked about yet. Is, is there any of them that bringing to life may have presented more of a challenge than you initially anticipated? I think that um, I think what's interesting about the houses in in in. in you can say IP versus original content, mm-hmm. but but really, what's wonderful about the houses is, is that even if it's an intellectual property house, in some ways it still rings as an original house because we still have to develop those properties towards it becoming a 3D immersive environment for our guests to walk through. Sure, um, and that is less of a challenge each year, regardless of what the intellectual property is, and it's more of a a, a fun. Uh, riddle to solve because everything is different and every year is different we have the opportunity to help evolve the event based mm-hmm. on the intellectual properties that we bring so you know uh, yeah there there are there are those that have presented themselves as more challenging in the past 
but honestly, those ones are the ones you look back on and are most grateful for. I can imagine. Because they help push your art or they help push the design and they have a ripple effect throughout the rest of the the years to come because of the things that you learn based on those on those houses that may deem a little bit more challenging. Gotcha. Sure. So then going back to the originals now, I'm looking right here. Depths of Fear and Yeti stick out because they're two very different worlds, yet mm. both of them take place in a very specific world. Mm. When you <laughs> pitch something like Depths of Fear and you use the word underwater, where do you go from idea to bringing that to life and, and pulling it off? Well, we're huge fans of, you know, we're, I understand the question being, you know, how do you, how do you pull off an underwater <laughs> without house putting it underwater. without putting it underwater? Yeah, that's where, yeah. That's I mean, right. we're already at only six feet sea level, so it's pretty difficult. I mean, we're not too far away from the ocean at this point. Um, yeah, it, it is interesting, though, isn't it? I mean, like, you you have the opportunity to take people into a, any structure, whether it be one of our soundstage houses or one of the, one of the you know, the spring tents in the back or, or what have you, that we have the opportunity to immerse them into an environment that fully envelops them. And that in Depths of Fear, you immediately harken back to those things like the Abyss, like Leviathan, like Deep Star Six, like, like those that uh, uh, that you have the opportunity to take them and put them in a, in a in a world that is simultaneously fantastic but also very familiar yeah. that industrial kind of rig like right. an oil rig you start focusing on those aspects of what would actually be within that environment rather than what's on the outer because you can always hint towards with video or you can hint towards with some water hitting or, or whatever it might be sprung leaks in the sides of the of the rig that there's always something on the outside we can create that pressure it's creating the pressure on the interior of whatever environment we're in, uh, much like the logging camp in Yeti. When mm-hmm. you when you walk through that logging camp, the snow immediately creates a physical yeah. barrier for you to feel as if it's claustrophobic. Yeah. And then you start to add in the different areas of moving in through the through the the, the barn or the the sh- you know the the uh, the cabin or or wherever you might be that that also increases the pressure on you to keep moving to stay safe. Sure. So so. Yeah, I was actually going to ask about, you know, one of the other big headliner properties this year is Jordan Peele's Us. And uh, Jordan Peele, just from reading interviews and stuff, he he actually went on the record, I think, right before Us came out. And he was like, man, I want to do a haunted house attraction or like a dark ride or something. And now, six months later, we have the Us haunted house, uh, actually on both coasts, but specifically here. So that is an interesting movie for you to adapt just as far as like it's this really almost like Twilight Zone esque you know uh, background and, and twist and everything like that. So I was just wondering. Obviously, you probably had to work a lot with Jordan Peele to get us into a physical representation. I was wondering how that relationship was. Yeah, the 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 individuals at Monkey Paw uh, Productions were fantastic. I mean, in, in conjunction with our internal partners, who we have a history with at Universal Pictures. Um. It was a wonderful experience, given the opportunity to be able to have the 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 score, being able to talk with them and 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 detail out the movement of the performers, being able to talk through you know what that what what it means in each individual scene, and it's not just about the startled jump out scare; it's about really placing the guests beat by beat chronologically through that entire film. Sure, because because that move that 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 movie. Um, 
is based on all of its fantastic moments. Yeah. It has a lot of really great connective tissue, don't get me wrong, but those mom- those huge moments are, are, are the thing that really set that film apart. And, I, and I'm very pleased with the response from their guests, being able to walk through that experience. And, and when you walk out of that house or you're standing on the outside of that house and they come out, more often than not, you hear them say, well, it was just like the film. Like, it was just like the movie. That's something that makes me happy because it, it means that we're not alone as the as the creators of the event, we're not alone in our in our um, our thoughts that you know maybe we did an okay job with being able to translate that. Sure. Um, and it's exciting if if and or when Jordan has the opportunity to either come to the Hollywood event or come here, that hopefully he'll have the exact same feeling. Yeah, definitely. I, I actually just if I had a second to ask you about it. So, Us is a movie that came out you know just this year. Mm-hmm. So. You know, you always talk about Halloween Horror Nights taking a whole year to develop. To have such a shorter production schedule, I was wondering if that was like any challenge with this one. Or is it like a property you saw the trailer and you're like, man, we've got to go ahead and get that one. That's kind of yes and no. I mean, it kind of it's both. Yeah, I, I hate to say that it's kind of a cop out, but it's, it's it really is true. And and I think it speaks to the varied slate that we have this year. Sure. I think I think with having a 35-year-old property in Ghostbusters that's celebrating its anniversary this year, as well as having something from 2019, which is very, very recent, very modern, very, very uh, contemporary, is what sets Universal's Halloween Horror Nights apart from other different Halloween experiences worldwide. Absolutely. Not even, not even within, the, within the country, but also globally speaking, we have been afforded the, the the opportunities to be able to play with all of these different realms and to be able to create that varied slate for our guests is something special. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. We're actually getting towards the end of our time, but I wanted to go through just what's here and get your quick take on mm-hmm. House of a Thousand Corpses and Killer Clowns from Outer Space, two IPs that, in the best way possible, you the name delivers on your expectations right off the bat. Uh, these are these are like two of the more immersive film to houses this year. They've been a lot of fun. They have been a, a huge amount of fun. Being able to, you know, the first time you walk into a room and you see Clownzilla, yeah. you, you, it puts a huge <laughs> smile on your face. Yep. At the same time as when you walk into Captain Spaulding's Museum of Monsters and Mad Men and He's there. There's almost no better start to any house this year. Oh, that's, I, I, yeah, you I walk mean, in and there's Kevin Spaulding yeah, talking trash. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's fantastic. Scare zones are insane. An arcade is one of the best. Isn't that great? If you just walk straight in the park, that is just one of the best mood setters for the event and for the theme. Zombieland Double Tap. That is one that we're only what, the third weekend, and that yeah. is just getting progressively closer to one of my favorite experiences each time I walk through. It's so much fun. And then Hellbilly Deluxe is... I, <laughs> I, yeah, I, it's, I, Hunter's got to put a piece of tape over my mouth because we're going to be here another hour just to be talking about that. Here's what's wonderful about, about, about the Scare Zones. And, and, and they are... Uh, highly impactful against yep. our guests. Like you walk through Vikings Undead, and you're going to get scared. Like, and that's wonderful about all of our scare zones this year. What I'm noticing also is that how many people are watching our scare yeah, zones it's, from the outside, just watching is, other people experience it, walking through is such a treat. Because yeah. you, you know you're, you know it it, it, go, it goes to show you that you know Blake and Dylan and Kelly and all of the other individuals that are responsible for the scare zones are are 
at their at their top of their game yeah. and are, are just killing it. Yeah. Vikings Undead. That's another one that I love that. Yeah, mate. It's I love that. that you can actually feel yourself in mortal danger in that one. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And then Vanity Ball. I mean, that's that's so crazy. That's so it's a blast. It, yeah, yeah. It really is. I mean, we're we're sitting. If for those of you who haven't <laughs> been to the radio broadcasting center, we're able to actually look out on Hollywood Boulevard from here in the park, and 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 there is there you see the the setup for Vanity Ball. You don't see you know the full. Uh, set pieces; those are obviously brought out um, during part close. But yeah, it's it's such a fantastic. Yeah, it's great. It's a fantastic yep. scare zone. And then there's the shows. I want to hit those real quick. Academy of Villains, monsters, uh, beasts. Those guys are they they they're they're monster killers. I love every single buddy, every, every I, single person in. I'm not. I'm, I'm not sure. I was gonna say I haven't got enough yet. I'm not sure I'll be able to get enough of that show this year. And it's so crazy it's, good. Yeah, it is. And then the last show, I have to. Let my partner Hunter introduce because sure. I know his love on it is Halloween Marathon of Mayhem. <laughs> yeah. So I've been, uh, I'm going to shoot straight here. I've been obsessed with it since opening night. Um, I've probably caught it a good seven times already. And just, it is a great, I think it's my favorite thing at the event. It is just a great show. And I love that it brings all these iconic properties together and puts them out on the lagoon on this huge epic scale. Like the first time I heard that uh, video game, I called it a chiptune remix. Um, but the the first time I heard that video game version of Swan Lake, and then everything is just going nuts. Oh man, it's amazing. It 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 is what the lagoon setup was built to do. It shows, to your point, it shows properties. Uh, on a scale that we've never shown, yeah, and it is. It's fantastic. I mean, you sit there. We, we. I mean, we're we're fairly. We're not jaded, yeah. but we've seen a lot as far as Halloween is concerned. Our jaws were on the floor the first time we saw it, and it and it. Every single time we see it, the same thing happens. We're just like, ah, oh, this is so cool. Literal chills. Every Literal time. chills. Yeah. Absolutely. You're watching. You're watching the 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 full potential of of uh, the nighttime experience being utilized. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. On that note, I just want to thank you, Patrick, for once again. Of course. Hey, thanks, you, thanks, you guys. Always great seeing you. Thank you, Hunter, for joining me today. Thank you to Universal Public Relations, Ali, for inviting us. And thank you, Bob, for getting this all recorded for us. We're going to go back to our studio to wrap this up and end the show. Fantastic. Happy Halloween, everybody. Got a little bonus segment here at the end of this episode. We're just coming off the heels of our interview with Patrick Brailer, but we're still in the park. And since I dragged Hunter along to the interview, got him to do something I wanted him to do, he talked me into doing something that he wanted me to do. And what was that, Hunter? Well, <laughs> let, let, let's play fair here. <laughs> this is something you've been waiting to do. I, yeah, I might have set that. Yeah, I might have set that up a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> you set it up a little bit. But yes, we actually just did Hagrid's Magical Creatures Motorbike Adventure together. Yes, my first time. And how many times have you done it now? I think I've done it four or five times now. I was actually there opening day. I was one of those crazy people that waited 11 days. Or 11 days. <laughs> 11 days and 46 nights. Um, no, I waited 11 hours opening day to check it out. And uh, I think it's a great attraction. Um, we have not discussed at all in depth what you thought about it, so I'm excited to get some thoughts from you. Okay, so my initial thoughts were there was a lot more to it than I expected, and I think one of the biggest things has to do with I avoided every spoiler so far, no videos or anything, and what was really, really cool, again, without getting into details of spoilers or anyone else that hasn't seen it, is that 
probably the biggest highlights of it. You can't not only can't see from anywhere in the queue line, but you can't see really coming till you get to them, which is a nice surprise, especially for something like a roller coaster where you have to have kind of the field of vision in front of you just by physics and nature. The fact that the highlights of that ride I never saw coming and didn't know we were there and were a really exciting and fun part to that coaster which really made it a hell of a lot more than I thought I was walking into. Yeah, you know, while we were waiting in line, I was just asking you, I was like, so what are your favorite coasters? And you actually brought up one that I think is a pretty good comparison, and that's Cheetah Hunt over at Busch Gardens Tampa, um, just because I think it's a it's a very fast coaster with multiple launches throughout it, and it just has a similar, like, ground-hugging style that gives the sense of speed to it that's very effective. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's fast. It's... There's no well there's no inversions, which I don't think is a surprise, but you're right, it's it's you're never really leaving far from the ground, or at least it happens so rapidly slash maybe even gradually, it you you let me sit in the motorcycle par- portion of the bike. You sat in the I don't know what was that sidecar. Side so it really gave the feel of <laughs> I'm not gonna say it felt like riding a motorcycle, but it was like it was the right ride vehicle for what that track does oh yeah absolutely there is just something about sitting up on the motorcycle side in particular that is so i don't know it's just enticing it's it's action-packed and it's a blast i mean the sidecar i actually recommend if you have it um ride both sides the reason being is the sidecar hugs the actual track it's way lower than the motorcycle very different experience down there yeah, so between definitely the ride, the ride vehicle, and, I mean, having a coaster, and if I want to use a comparison, Cheetah Hunt is all coaster. There's no real features to it. This has Show scenes. Quite, yeah, quite a few things along the way, and then including that kind of, uh, I don't know if it's a finale or third act or even what you would call it, but the things that you don't expect, it's it's definitely unique. It's definitely unique, and I... I I'm really happy we took the time to see it. We got in line as it was uh, under a was it a uh, technical, delay. technical delay, but we stuck it out. We got through, and I think it was worth it, especially when we, we had the time and we have already had a really good day here. I just kind of capped up. That was a nice little bridge between talking horror nights, then waiting out for horror nights, and now we're in stain scream, and we're just hours away from going again. I had a really good time. I'm glad we did that. Yeah, absolutely. It is probably my favorite ride in Orlando right now. I just think it it perfectly combines what I look for in an attraction. Immersive theming, uh, a bit of a thrill element, and then just honestly... The, the sheer fun factor of it is is great. Um, yep. Even if you're not a coaster person, I still think it's worth you checking out. Um, especially if you're a big Harry Potter person. There's so much there. That's a good point. It's like saying if you're not a coaster person and you're not a coaster person because of the dramatic falls and the kind of neck break turns or inversions, this doesn't really have any of those. No, 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 no. This coaster is... Um, I mean, there's some sections where you're you're kind of on your side, but there's nothing that puts you upside down or at a very precarious angle that would, you know, freak you out. Um, but this coaster is all about speed. Yeah, and I, yeah. If you, I was gonna say if you can take if you if you can take fast uh, accelerations, that's really about the most harrowing thing on this. Yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> I think it is. 
Maybe Hulk is a little bit, but I have a feeling that Hulk, or Hagrid might actually be the fastest attraction on the resort. That wouldn't surprise me. It certainly felt like it, and that almost that may have something to do with the kind of the straightaways and the open airness of it too. At least it feels like it. I should say. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, I'm glad we did it, and if you haven't yet, and you're going to spend, you want to make a day of your Halloween Horror Nights experience, and the times look like something you're willing to do, then I think it's going to be time well spent. Absolutely. It's, uh, like I said, one of the best rides in Orlando, probably one of the best rides in the world. Uh, I'm glad that you got a chance to finally check it out. Yep, me too. So, all right, on that note, I think we're going to wrap it up. We'll go back to the studio to the uh for the wrap-up and there we have it this year's halloween hard nights 29 interview with patrick braylord show director for entertainment creative development at universe orlando we are in the midst of week three of this event there's still plenty of time to come check it out and run select nights until november 2nd 2019 for those dates and ticket info check out halloweenhardnights.com i want to thank everyone again that made this special episode possible my co-host hunter our guest Patrick Braylord, Bob in the Universal Broadcast Studio for recording this interview, and Allie and Linda from the Public Relations team for including us in this year's interview event and for their hospitality on behalf of Universal Studios Orlando Resort. One more thanks to mention in this episode, and of course that is thanks to you for listening. We've got more to come on Halloween Horror Nights 29. So until then, thank you one more time for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode, or better yet, I'll see you at Halloween Horror Nights 29. Thank you for listening to the Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights podcast. The Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights is a news as internet entertainment production. For more great podcasts and original entertainment, visit our website at newsaz.com. The Catacombs of Halloween Horror Nights is not affiliated with nor endorsed by Universal Studios Florida. All Halloween Horror Nights properties, icons, titles, events, and related items are property, trademark, and copyright, Universal Studios, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. For more Halloween Horror Nights coverage, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast and follow our Twitter account at newsaz. To help support the series and all the work we do at Newsaz, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Thanks for listening.